Chapter 4. The Samaritans The most obvious conflict in the restorative process centered on the Samaritan participation in the rebuilding of the temple. It continued through and beyond the first century as evidence in the New Testament and the works of Josephus, showing one extreme of Jewish life in the Second Temple era. The rise of Judean hegemony was an affront to the Samaritan control that had been previously experienced and established. While the Samaritans could not stop the rebuilding process, their desire to participate indeed signaled the desire for significant influence in the Judean scene to continue. The rejection by Ezra and Nehemiah of the Samaritan offer is indicative of the returnee's new sense of identity. On the religious plane, several factors can be seen as resulting from the process. The first is the changed self-awareness of the returning ex exiles. The second is connected to the problem of mixed marriages, the ethnic factor. The third factor lies in the legitimacy of the temple cult and the officiating priesthood represented by the Sadducee clans. The final building of the Samaritan temple on Mount Gerizim sealed the split between Jews and Samaritans. The conflict between Samaria and Judah dates back to the period of the divided monarchy 2 Kings chapter 17 interpreted detailing the origins of the Samaritans, the exile in Israel, and its eventual destruction caused two distinct groups to live side by side. One group was composed of the original inhabitants of the land, the northern tribes, and the second of the non-Israelites, transferred there as part of the Assyrian policy. The purpose of a count in Kings is to point out the syncretistic religious practices of the North and thereby exclude the Gentile adherence to Israelite practice. Whether the opponents to reform were Proto-Samaritans, indigenous tribes from the North, or Samarians, Gentile dwellers of the land, elements of the population in the North and the South were not convinced of a single cultic site delegitimizing the syncretistic practices of the many. What it is clear, however, is that Ezra rejected the Gentile Samaritans from participating in the building of the temple. The critical issue was hegemony in the region, and the Sandabalad rulers of Samaria appeared to have made some headway in influencing the initial returnees on their Zerubbabel by their intermarriage with the families of the high-ranking officials. With the arrival of Nehemiah, the growing influence was checked, and the encroachment by Sambalat diminished. The political struggle now evolved into a religious one. A distinguished member of the Serukai family, Jehonan, son of the high priest Eliashib, had married with the daughter of Sambalat. The relationship was deemed unacceptable, and he was expelled from the community. The schism was not healed, and the conflict reached its height, the destruction of the Samaritan Temple at the hand of John Hyrcanos in 128 before the Common Era. The status of the Samaritans in the view of other Jews is difficult to ascertain. There is nothing in 1 Maccabees which bears on the status of the Samaritans. 1 and 2 Maccabees may have been written at a time when relations between Jews and Samaritans were deteriorating. The context indicates that the Samaritans were put under the same restrictions 
and even religious persecution which affected the Jews. The rise of Enoic Judaism. Despite the significant gains made by the Sadducee circles in establishing their dominance in the Jerusalem cult, their monopoly did not remain unchallenged. One stream of opposition literature centers on the figure of Enoch. Enoic literature comprised of the Book of the Watchers, the work referred to as Aramaic Levi, and the astronomical book as well as other addendums. This dissenting movement is often referred to as Enoic Judaism. It is characterized by its apocalyptic and mystical mo motif, though these trends were not limited to the coalescing forces standing in opposition to the priestly establishment. These trends were reflective of other movements as well. The heart of the conflict between the priestly circles in Jerusalem and the iconic circles does not imply that the literature originated in non-priestly circles. As the Sadokite order established itself, it did so to the exclusion of other priestly families or other groups maintaining completely different theological constructs fostered by each other's group's worldviews. Anaic Judaism was not a reaction against the Sadokites by outsiders. Instead, it reflected the cry of insiders who had lost their legitimacy to the priesthood and had been excluded. Enoch Judaism viewed the origins of evil in the world as having been linked to the fallen angels, a theme strongly emphasized in the epistles of 2 Peter and Jude in the New Testament. The story of the sons of God consorting with the daughters of man is briefly mentioned in the book of Genesis and was consequently part of the Sadochite body of literature. The Enoic literature emphasized a much more elaborate version of the story. The story of the angels became a tale of cosmic proportions, and the fallen angels were entrenched in a struggle against God. Michael, the archangel, defeated them. Their offspring, the giants or the Nephilim, were essentially demigods, and their spirits continued to wreak havoc throughout the world with their evil deeds even after their physical deaths. Interestingly, demonology plays a significant role in the gospel narratives. What is of considerable importance in a Nike cosmology is the idea that through the fall of the angels and the subsequent seduction of man, the world enter a state of decadence. To restore order, a cataclysmic event characterized by godly intervention was required. The idea that a new creation was needed implied the first creation or the first order was in despair. This theme of the disorder has been argued to reflect something beyond antediluvian order. Enoic literature believed that despite the return of the exiles, the Babylonian exile had not ended. This stood firmly against Sadducee views who sought to position themselves as the guardians of ancient order and restoration. This may have been very well threatened the basis of Sadducee power that depended so much on the concept of order and stability in the world. The most striking feature that attacked Sadokite legitimacy was the priestly role attributed to Enoch. Enoch Judaism assumed the existence of an older, pre-Aaronite priesthood, which disrupted the Sadokite power structure, so dependent on the Sinai theophany. Instead of restoring the ancient priesthood, the Sadokites were perceived as impostors in violation of the cosmic order. Unlike other movements, the adherents of an Enochite worldview do not appear to have separated themselves from the mainstream of society. Current scholarship on the origins of Enoic literature 
placed before the division in Jerusalem called the led to separation of various parties from the temple during the Maccabean and Hasmonean eras. The Rise of Prophetic Movements The rise of Enoch Judaism should be reviewed in light of changing views on biblical texts and their interpretation. Charismatic interpretation of sacred texts became a key factor of many groups. Prophecy was openly accepted in the early stages of the Jewish groups supporting Jesus and appears to have been even practiced in primary Gentile congregations established in the diaspora. Subsequent rebellions against Rome under Vespian in the 1st century and later under Hadrian in the 2nd century cannot be understood outside of the charismatic element. Josephus provides evidence of this view in the first Jewish revolt against Rome and argues that a partial source of the rebellion was connected to an oracle deciphered from the Hebrew scriptures that at the time someone from Judea would rule the world. The power of prophetic announcements could be tremendous. Josephus blamed the death of 6,000 persons who took final refuge in the porticos of the temple and their subsequent deaths during the siege of Jerusalem on, among other things, a false prophet which emerged and called the people to gather in the temple where miraculous signs would occur. Josephus remarks that the Essenes were lauded as seers. They were well-versed in holy books and quite conscious of purity laws and were rarely wrong in their predictions. Others emerged as independent holy men. These various prophetic charismatic movements appear to have found their support mainly from among the lower stratums of society. Josephus provides a record of public prophetic utterances ignited by difficult circumstances, this time during the rise of Herod, who besieged Jerusalem in 37 before the Common Era. Prophecy in the office of the prophet became linked with the interpretation of biblical passages. Prophets viewed themselves as the receptacles of God's special revelation, which was not was needed to understand complex passages of holy writings correctly. The expounding of the Torah as a means of achieving prophecy became an increasingly popular view among various sects. Biblical prophets were perceived as having spoken by overriding divine inspiration. As Josephus concluded, the prophets were conquered by inspiration to the point or even speaking against their will in cases necessary to accomplish God's divine will, as the sentiment that Philo of Alexandria also espoused. Philo characterized prophecy as sober drunkenness. God took over the mind of the person and spoke what could be perceived by pure reason, though it did not necessarily entail the abdication of reason. The act of prophecy, however, was seen as encompassing various phenomena. Moses was perceived as the ideal prophet, as the prophet was not only to speak about the future, but to instruct the people concerning God's real will. The Hebrew scriptures allude to the dispensation of the Spirit. The Essenes interpreted biblical passages to reflect the various historical and political events that occurred during their day. The present world order would soon come to an end, and the force of the adversary, both spiritual and earthly, would soon be destroyed. For the Essenes, the new order had already been initiated with their retreat to the wilderness. The sect lived on the edge of the Messianic age with one foot, as it were, in the present age and one in the future age. Indeed, the Messianic era will be realized within their lifetimes. For pious Jews of the late Second Temple period, Prophet Micah's petition in chapter 7, verse 15, 
that God showed the people the same wonders in the coming time of salvation that he had shown the people of Israel during the exodus from Egypt. The deciphering of biblical passages, especially those about impending judgment, were pursued by prophetic individuals. In this sense, prophets played a significant role that extended beyond the circle of their immediate followers, often not only by the teachings or oracle pronouncements, but by their symbolic actions, leading people into the wilderness, as in the case of the Quranic teacher of righteousness, or even immersing along the Jordan as John the Baptist did, often served to recall symbolic entry into the land of Israel. Such events arguably had apparent connotations that God would soon act radically, as he had during the time of the exodus of Egypt. The Rise of the Pharisees The earliest source testifying to the Pharisaic party, the seemingly most influential group at the end of the Second Temple era, and and prominently mentioned in the New Testament as both opponents and members of the Jesus movement, is found in the writings of Josephus. He records their existence during the Hasmonean era, during the reigns of John Hyrcanus, Alexander Janaeus, and his wife Alexandra. During the reign of Hyrcanus, 134 to 104 before the Common Era, the Pharisees appeared to have acted as a political interest group and early on operated favorably under Hyrcanus. What their defining characteristics were at this time is not clear but they maintained their unique program and vision for Jewish society in the newly formed Hasmonean kingdom. The religious component to their identity is transparent, as Hyrcanus is described as having recorded their approval as important in religious matters for the Pharisees were revered for their pursuit and love of knowledge. They eventually fell out of favor with Hyrcanus, however, and the Sadducees, another religious political class, were favored by Hyrcanus to replace their position as the king's retainer class. The period following the death of Hyrcanus appears to have been wrought with political instability and shifting internal alliances. Before his death, Alexander counseled his wife Alexandra to forge a relationship with the Pharisees for the sake of political and social stability. Abraham Geiker the eminent scholar and theologian of the Reformed Jewish movement, and Julius Wellhausen, the Christian proponent of the documentary Hypotheses, asserted that the Pharisees were the descendants of the Hasidim, who were characterized by the seal for their observance of Torah, and had fought alongside the Hasmoneans in the struggle against the Seleucids. Once the war secured religious freedom, the Hasidim, according to 1 Maccabees, did not continue with the war that had now primarily transformed into a political and territorial campaign. Geiger, however, believed that the Pharisees were also tied to a more ancient tradition that derived itself from the days of Ezra and Nehemiah. The Nidalim of Ezra chapter 6 verse 21 and Nehemiah chapter 10 verse 29 had separated themselves from those who did not support their enthusiastic observance of the Torah perhaps in the same manner that the matters of purity and the lack of such observance by many appeared to dominate later writings documenting the nature of Pharisaism. Josephus provides us with some indication that the Pharisees maintained considerable influence over religious practices in the Second Temple period. Quote, 
The Sadducees persuade only the well-to-do and have no popular following, but the Pharisees have the masses as allies. End quote. Lawrence Schiffman argues that the Pharisees maintain two significant characteristics that may explain such support. They represent the lower and middle classes primarily. Second, Schiffman asserts that the Pharisees, though incorporating elements of Greek philosophy and language, were mostly unaffected by Hellenization and therefore continued to reflect a Near Eastern cultural view. The diversity of Pharisaic membership can be attested to by the individuals who for a connection to or were honored in the movement, such as a well-known figure as Simon the Just, the last member of the Great Assembly, is considered a forebearer, along with little-known sages such as Antiagonus of Soho. Pharisees dwelt throughout Judea and Galilee alike in non-diverse roles ranging from miracle workers to members of royal entourages. Wilhausen argues the Pharisees were primarily religious to various sources. He referred to passages of the New Testament, which referred to numerous debates over purity concerns and matters of halakha related to Sabbath observance, as well as to the Psalms of Solomon. Those collections ascribed to Pharisaical authorship have led some scholars to infer that the Pharisees rejected Hasmonean rule and even preferred foreign rule until the advent of a real restored Davidic kingship. Elias Rifkin understands the Pharisees as political in most circumstances, except in cases where the vitality of Torah might be called into question. That being the case, Rifkin contends the Pharisees could, in good conscience, acknowledge the legitimacy of all earthy rulers, as long as the commitment to Torah was not obstructed. Gedaliah alone has argued against the popular views and instead argued for a Phariseeism characterized by intense nationalism exploiting every rational opportunity to fight for self-rule, which incidentally may buttress the view of S.G.F. Brandon that many Jews who supported Jesus' messianic claims with their Pharisaic ties, may have stayed in Jerusalem in the first revolt against Rome. For alone, the Pharisaic support of Hyrcanus early in his reign, as well as the more extensive role they played in the administration of Queen Salome's reign, is evidence that the Pharisees were not so entrenched or unified in the hope for the Vedic restoration to prefer foreign over internal rule. The Hasmoneans are also regarded favorably in their later Talmudic tradition. And alone cites this as a further evidence weakening anti-Hasmonean sentiments. Alone found the rabbinic corpus with all the spheres of life, both civic and religious, as indicative of earlier Pharisaic commitments to political life. Of additional support to this thesis, alone enumerates several critical Pharisaic leaders holding positions of political prominence such as Simeon ben Sheta, Judah ben Tabai, Samayas and Polion, Rabbanan the Elder Gamaliel, and Simon ben Gamaliel. Alon also provides further evidence for the Pharisaic tendency towards political involvement. He cites the refusal of 6,000 Pharisees to swear an oath of allegiance to Herod. He refers to the passage in Josephus describing the removal of a golden eagle from Herod's temple by young students of Pharisaic teachers, 
He also points to similar traditions that Herod slew sages and that his reign had a detrimental impact on the observance of the Torah. Lastly, he points to the Pharisaic composition of the war cabinet at the outbreak of the rebellion against Rome in common era year 66. Gedaliah alone assumed that from the days of the Hasmoneans, the Pharisees constituted the vast majority of the nation and consequently affected all spheres of Jewish life. The position affording the Pharisees the dominating role in greater Jewish society had not gone unchallenged. According to Anthony J. Saldarini, the importance of the Pharisees, though prominently mentioned in the New Testament, is vastly overinflated. Their position in society must be kept in perspective. The Pharisees were but one group among many. Some of these groups or movements were of an enduring nature, but others were merely temporal. Their importance, Saldarini contends, in the context of the whole of Jewish culture during this time was minor. The Identity of the Pharisees At the center of Pharisaic thought were the observance of the Torah and a special reverence towards an unwritten body of tradition attributed to the fathers. Though this body of tradition cannot be understood as endorsing the full concept of the duality of Torah, as understood in later Mishnahic and Talmudic literature, the basis of later oral tradition is rooted in this line of thought. The Pharisees place great emphasis on the observance of the commandments and their implementation by the dictum of the fathers. They appear to have endorsed the transfer of previously reserved levels of purity and ceremonial observance from the sphere of Levitical circles to the broader public. Pharisaic thought contained elements of free will and determination, but the only secure element for each Jew was an unwavering fidelity to the Torah. Torah became the cornerstone of Pharisaic thought. All the Gospels record Jesus' conflict with the Pharisees. The book of Acts is interesting in this regard because its presentation of the Pharisees is generally more sympathetic, albeit except Acts 15. Paul appeals to his Pharisaic ties in his trial before the Sanhedrin by appealing to the resurrection, a key tenet of Pharisaic theology. Favorable Pharisaic disposition towards Jews who supported Jesus' Messianic claims also reappears in the aftermath of the death of James as recorded by Josephus. As I note in the introduction, the conflict recorded in the Gospels are regarded as reflecting the debates between early Jews who supported Jesus' Messianic claims and Pharisees. While this is indeed possible, there is an assumption that the Pharisaic perspectives on Halakha were necessarily in conflict with the Christian prerogatives. The Scenes in Qumran the Essenes are another well-noted sect of the late Second Temple era mentioned by Josephus. Philo and the Roman author Pliny the Elder, who recorded the existence of an Essene settlement between Jericho and Ein Gedi on the western shore of the Dead Sea. Joseph, Josephus provides us with several noteworthy descriptions of the Essenes. In contrast to the Pharisees, who accepted a combination of free will predetermined fate, the Essenes believe that the fate governs all things. Josephus expounds on the philosophy of the Essenes and reveals their partial rejection of the current temple legitimacy, likely connected to the corruption they perceive inherent in the behavior of the priesthood as well as the very composition. Quote, the doctrine of the Essenes is this, that all things are best ascribed to God. They teach the immortality of the souls and esteem 
that the rewards of the righteous are to be earnestly striven for. And when they send what they have dedicated to God into the temple, they do not offer sacrifices because they have more pure illustration of their own, on which account they were excluded from the common court of the temple, but offer their sacrifices themselves. End quote. Josephus provides a much more detailed description of his scenic life in his work, Jewish War. Quote, the scenes last are Jews by birth and seem to have a greater affection for one another than the other sects have. These scenes reject the pleasures as an evil, but steam continence and the conquest over our passions to be a virtue. They neglect wedlock, but choose out other persons' children, while they are pliable and fit for learning, and esteem them to be of their kindred, and form them according to their own manners. They do not absolutely deny the fitness of marriage and the succession of mankind thereby continued. These men are despisers of riches, and so very communicative as riches are admiration. Nor is there any one to be found among them who had more than the other, for is a law among them that those who come to them must let what they had to be common to the whole order, inasmuch that among them all there is no appearance of poverty or excess or of riches, but every other possessions are intermingled with every other possessions, and so there is patrimony among all the brethren. End quote. 